0: This is Jim Duncan with Nest Realty and Sweat the Details. This week, Jonathan, Keith, and I were joined by Greg Fisher, the Director of Agent Experience for West Main Homes in Denver, Colorado. Greg has done it all from assisting renters to specializing in multifamily sales, and from owning a brokerage to developing technology. Greg is responsible for leading strategy, technology, and growth at the rapidly expanding Colorado brokerage, negotiating and implementing new products and services, recruiting and retaining local talent, and developing innovative programs that support the company's expansion goals, as well as assisting agents in growing their volume and maximizing productivity. We had a fantastic and wide-ranging conversation that we really hope you enjoy. Greg, thanks for joining us today. what are you up to now? what's your What is your role there in Denver, and, and uh, what have you been doing?
1: So my role here at West Main Homes is started out as director of agent experience, and we moved it into a chief technology officer role. Um, I'm doing a lot of different stuff. I mean, I definitely manage our technology stack here for a brokerage of 110 agents. Um, we've got four offices, so I spend a bunch of my time. Making sure our software is working. Trying to find cool new software. Um, I'm a managing broker, so I work closely with our agents, um, and also kind of work in the partnerships and like business development space um, of this small independent brokerage in Denver. That's
2: great. Um, hey, Greg, I, w- I want to drill in a little bit on the on the technology. Obviously, there's a big debate in the industry about how important technology is um, to an agent, but. T- tell me what, you, what uh, you believe the role of technology is for a realtor in tw- you know, 2019, 2020.
1: Yeah, so I think my view on this stuff has kind of evolved over the years. Uh, it was interesting, you know, 10 years ago, technology, whether it was websites like Zillow or new transaction management systems were really kind of, all the rage, and we're going to be game changers um, for agents' business. And I've just kind of come to a place now where I think, um, you know, it's very roots-oriented. Like, our realtors are cool, important members of their community, and their community is not only their neighborhood, but their friends and their family and their family's coworkers and friends. And so I've kind of come to a place where I think – Um, the most important thing for our agents is being great at relationship marketing. And sometimes the way we do that is through tech. Um, Of course, like being savvy with social media platforms, I think is a table stakes for them. Um, I think agents have to know how to do that stuff. Um, But it's not like we're out here working on flux capacitors and making spaceships that are gonna change the game of real estate. Um, I think all we're really doing is trying to make sure our people are tech literate um, and capable of communicating. So um, what I've been trying to do lately is really synthesize and break down and and sort of take all this stuff to its bare elements and just remind ourselves the mission we're trying to accomplish, which is creating compelling marketing for people that we know and just being awesome at transaction management, and so that's really those are the two pillars that I really think are the most important today. Yeah,
2: I'd jump in and I'd, and I'd agree with that. I think that you know we we went through this phase where real estate tech was a was a big point of focus in, in the industry, and you know there's a lot of buzz around it. And I think for a while, real estate tech was, you're right, Zillow and lead gen, Um and it's shifted into. I mean, you go to these conferences and it just you know, there's a, there's a thousand different options out there for different different technology platforms that do a lot of different, um, you know, that offer agents a lot of different services. But you're right, none of them really focus on um, just the basics. And it's how can you, how can, how can tech help an agent run their business more efficiently and how can tech help agents build relationships? And those are two big components that I don't think are being focused on a lot by vendors because um, it's not that sexy. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we we're in total agreement with you and I think that technology, you can, you can, you can over, um, expose agents and over, well, yeah, overexpose agents to technology and really, um, you know, agents start to freeze. If you give them too much tech and you, and they're focused too much and you, you stress the importance of tech too, tech too much, the agents just start to freeze. So I like your idea of just having, you you know, your vision of being, of having agents just be tech literate, it's it's really smart uh, and not trying to, um, you know, not trying to overextend yourself too much. So kudos for that. What what would you say is, you know, what would you say was the most underrated tech and overrated tech for for realtors?
1: Oh, perfect. I think the underrated tech and something I'm really hoping we'll be able to solve soon with the consolidation of the showing services is. Um, I think the showings tech is so important because you collaborate between the agent, the office, and the clients, um, to make sure the showing process goes smoothly, everybody's informed. And one of the big things that I miss from the operator standpoint is I really don't have great visibility into how many showings our agents are performing, how our listings are doing. I can go in and pull that stuff out, but to me, um, those are some of the most important metrics that exist is i love to see if we're sort of meeting a threshold of how many people are out and about in the community. And then even more importantly for a firm is how are listings performing? And so I think just having a very smooth and seamless way um, to select all of those options that people need to be mindful of um, and getting homes, exhibited to the public and to actual consumers out there is so important. I don't think it's bad, but I think if I was going to spend my time and effort on something that would change the way I view our business, it would be that. Like, um, I would love to be more dialed into our low performing listings and maybe activate advertising and campaigns, um, that sort of bring those listings back to the top and that sort of thing. So I think, um, Showings really could use um, some innovation. Um, on the overrated side, it's definitely lead gen. I mean, I just, I think we're at the very end of, um, and there's a whole bunch of different ways that lead gen comes through. But I, what, I, what I mean when I say that is Google ads for cities and real estate in those cities um, and pointing that traffic to a software platform and charging agents a bunch of money to feel those things. Um, there's just so much missed in those connections. What we're missing is, um, you know, we know consumers still don't understand how real estate works, but we're in such a rush to make it so quick and easy to just be looking at listings online and then connecting them with someone. Um, and we're just missing so much in the middle, um, of how the process works, how to select, um, somebody that's going to provide agency for you. Um, and how to do all those things. And so I think that's the most overrated thing. I think if anything added to the confusion surrounding traditional real estate and how it works, um, it would be lead gen technology, for sure.
3: Greg, if if I can ask you to kind of go back to the, the showing data, because I think it's, I agree with you that there's a lot of information that can be gained from learning about who is showing the properties, what's, what's going on. I'd, I'd like to ask though, you know, if you look back five years, seven years at, at the information that realtors were sharing and are now sharing, either voluntarily or involuntarily through through some of the through the different technologies we use, what are the what are the psychological hurdles that are going to need to be kind of jumped over? So, I mean, you know, when I ask that, I'm thinking, you know, in showing, I don't necessarily want everybody knowing how often my listings have been shown. Sure, I want to know how often theirs are shown, but what is it going to take for people to share that data for brokerages to to share within the, in the brokerage or outside of the brokerage? Or how do we, how do we begin to start collecting enough, you know, support for that type of, of information to be shared? Or what's, what are we going to need to do to overcome that?
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's a good question. Um, I guess there, you know, it has to be anonymized perhaps in a way, I mean, opening these things up to discussion is step one, um, you know, in committees in conversations like this, um, right? Like we don't want to isolate or, um, anybody or expose data that they don't want to have exposed. But at the same time, we have to be able to talk about how the whole market benefits when we share information. I mean, that's the entire premise of the MLS in the first place. So um, I think showing data as an extension of the listing data that we commonly share in the MLS. Um, so there has to be a way, there has to be a way to be able to say, you know, three bed, two baths in this zip code, built in this year right like we can pull some of the basic characteristics if we need to um and that's more for like if we're sharing amongst brokers or whatever i mean me as the broker and operator um and our other leadership staff looking at that stuff i mean of course i need to know exactly which listing um but i think you're right if we're exposing it to the market and sharing with competitors um there probably is a way we need to kind of mask or um truncate some of that data. Um, But I just think it's so important. I just think it's so valuable. I mean, what people are trying to sell now in the technology space is that web traffic is so indicative of forecasting the market. And I just don't actually believe that based on my years of experience working in real estate search. I don't think that search has a direct correlation, but I do know what does have a direct correlation. It's showing. Um, So I think it's that important. Yeah, so I will say,
3: Greg, years ago, we uh, we engaged with our local association with a lockbox provider to to give us every 30 days, we got a dump of how many lockboxes were opened on every single day within um, within a time period. And our feeling was, you know, we look at sold data as the most important thing in our MLS to know and see what's happened, you know, in terms of of traffic and and volume, right? But in order to predict closings, you need to be able to see how many contracts have been written. And our feeling was to be able to predict how many contracts are going to be written. You have to see how many houses are being shown. And that is, is, you know, lives in the lockbox data. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. I mean, you had, we, I mean, I remember looking at one day where we had a crazy, you know, 15 inch snowstorm, which in Denver may not be a whole lot, but in Charlottesville is is ginormous. Um, and we had one lockbox that got open in the entire MLS in one day. And it was hilarious to, to see things like that, but you, you would be able to look at trends within kind of two week time periods and see people are showing a ton more properties than they had been, you know, the year prior. And this is what spring looks like. Or we could track when spring was when that selling season was starting and when the, the kids are back in school and the parents are starting to think about moving in that fall bump, we could, we could see when it was occurring and with what kind of level of, of intensity. And that didn't tell us anything about, where those houses were or what sizes they were, whether they were townhouses or detached or, you know, but, but it's that information. If we could start drilling it down, it's incredibly valuable for every agent to be able to predict and know how do we adjust on prices? How do we, how do we manage
1: all of the, the sales? By the way, real quick as a, as a closing point on that, the, the tech providers will tell you that data exists. What I'm sort of saying is like the UI doesn't exist. Like these platforms that are baked into the MLSs and living off subsidies of having nationwide accounts with hundreds of MLSs are not innovating on the UI. So I can sort of like pick through there and pull some reports, but it's not built in the way that helps me run my business or understand anything.
2: Yeah. I think there's a, there's an analogy here with what's happening in the food service industry with, with all these delivery companies that are out there and, you know, if you're just a, you know, well, you know, pick a a pizza joint, um, that delivers food through Grubhub, you know, I could order from that same pizza joint 25 times, in a month, and Grubhub knows that information, but the pizza joint doesn't know that Jonathan is ordering from them 25 times a month, and now they're starting to become, you know, there's so the the point is there's all this data that's being held, you know, and and I'm not picking on picking on Grubhub, but Grubhub has all this data, just like these showing these lockbox companies and showing time have, has all this data that they're not really sharing with someone who could really use it. Like this pizza joint would love to know if, that Jonathan's ordered 25 times in the last month and they'd probably you know, flag me as a VIP customer. So now, now some of these food service, food delivery companies are coming out with more dashboards. You're talking right from a UI standpoint, these dashboards that is helping to give these restaurants, coffee shops, you name it, uh, more data that's going to help them build relationships with their clients. And it's the same thing as a listing agent. If I'm listing a house and it's $350,000 and I have no idea why it's not selling, you know, I can call agents that are listing the houses in the same neighborhood and find out how, or ask them how many showings they're getting, probably not going to get the right, the truthful, truthful information from them. Um, And so the point is, is like, you know, the more that that data can be exposed in a way to realtors to help them look at it um, and analyze it, the better that they can build, the realtor can build a relationship um, besides, you know, when i will go back to that $350,000 house analogy, somebody calls, calls you up and you're listing that house and says, how many, you know, what's going on in the market. You really don't know until you, you know, we don't know what's happening in the market until six months after. So the showings and lockbox openings is more predictive versus reactive. So yeah, I, I, I like your, uh, like your concept with that. I'm going to change, change the, the tack a little bit, uh, Greg. You know,
0: when we were talk, talking yesterday about how you shifted to to the indie brokerage where you are now, what was the rationale for choosing that brokerage and what's, what's your take on the indie versus the, the big box, if you will?
1: Yeah, I I just love indie brokerages so much because I feel like the kind of person that goes out there and says, I'm going to start a business in my community and I'm going to create its origin story from scratch is the type of person I want to work with. I just think it shows so much grit and resilience um, and a a desire to compete. Um, And then I also think it is one of the best mediums to collect other people who are community minded and focused, um, who want to work with entrepreneurs, um, who are providing services to the community. And it's not that big box brand don't do that um, but they come with so much baggage attached to them and I just think an indie brokerage has this amazing opportunity to decide um, what it's going to be, what it's going to stand for, what type of people are going to be there and really make it contextual um, to the area, areas that they're in and then also not be bound by slow thinking. You know, I mean, I've worked at very large companies before. And, you know, it's like turning the Titanic to get something to move and to change and to happen. Um, And I just, I don't know if we have time for that. Um, Our our business moves so fast. I mean, gosh, you know, deals, circumstances around deals change in moments. Um, And so I think just having a culture of um, constant innovation, flexibility, um, focus on the community, Makes for a real estate company too. Um, I honestly believe that um, having the ability for local business people to to start up these companies is very entrepreneur based thinking and very American in a way. I mean, anybody who thinks that they can compete and run a business well like can do it and i actually think that's really cool i think that counteracts some of the thinking in the big box space especially with new companies where the goal is to wrap everybody under one umbrella and one giant entity will benefit i think it's much cooler to be frank that nest has 14 or so offices on the east coast and employees different people to help do that and we can run a brokerage here in denver and someone else can do that in dallas i just think that's cool honestly how do you how do you build culture within within
0: your firm i mean it, it, you, you, you talk about culture and community service and everything you know how, how do you facilitate that across your 110 agents and four offices
1: have to show up um you know it can't just be lip service it can't be headlines on marketing or on recruiting Um, you have to be there and create experiences um, that agents remember and that matter to them and that means showing up from a managing broker perspective and helping people navigate complex transactions it means actually showing up in the community donating time donating resources, um, and participating. Um, It means having standards of who actually gets to wear the jersey. Um, I think sometimes brokers and owners are are so happy to pass out jerseys to whoever walks in the door and flatters them. And the people who work for you see that. Um, The people that you hire are a reflection of them. And so I think... Um, having those standards of what kind of person and what level of professionalism they're going to exude and how they're going to represent the company. I think they own that and have to keep an eye on um, those standards. So I think all of those things combined, um, I think showing up is the most important thing. I mean, we try to be in the offices, at events, at closing, Bring our new people into those experiences with our agents, and just be there. So I think showing up and sort of living um, the brand or the truth of that culture is probably the most important thing.
2: That's great. I love your uh, your passion um, for for that and for your culture and for for your indie uh, indie um, indie brokerage. Sticking on the topic of indie brokerages. What do you think, what do you guys see as the biggest challenges for indie brokerages over the next five years?
1: I think it's mostly capital based. Um, There are definitely some services that I think are compelling. They're being tested in the market um, with larger companies. I mean, the idea of coming into homes and doing some light repairs and remodel work before you place them on the market is compelling. Um, you know, I mean, that's a 5000 to $10,000 clip per house, you know, for an so, uh, operation of our size. That's quite a bit of capital. So I think access to capital is going to be one of the big ones. Like, how can operations um, of our size and similar to yours um, react quickly and maybe get access to half a half million dollars or a million dollars to launch programs like that? Because um, a lot of times, Indies are bootstrapped and running off um, the revenue that they earned last year. And so that's really a big one for me. Like how can we test some new services that require capital? And I think if disruptors or new entrants entrance into the space have shown us anything, it's just that, wow, you really can have an impact if you dedicate some capital and, and try to create services for people when it comes to housing. Um, so I think that's it. I think um, if indie brokers could figure out a way to get very easy capital to maybe try some of the things that have already been tested and look compelling, um, I think that would be awesome. I also think um, the biggest challenge to indie brokers and everyone else is just going to be explaining the services that they offer um, because study after study continues to come out that says consumers don't understand how our business works. Um, so, if anybody's going to get it right, I think it's going to be indies. Um, so, I think explaining what our services are in a very clear, articulate way is is probably another you know big challenge and opportunity coming up.
2: That's yeah. That's I mean we we agree with that too. Um, a lot of this, I think, both points um, are are on our radar and something that we're thinking about all the time you know, do you have within, within Weston, Maine kind of a, um, you know, incubator type of, uh, aspect of it where you're thinking about new ideas? Um, or maybe I should ask the question a different, different way. How do you and your team, um, come up with, with new ideas, um, about how you continue to, to push your brokers forward? You talked about earlier about, you know, being with a big company and it's, It's like trying to move the Titanic. Um, I'd love to hear your process about about innovating and and coming up with new ideas, whether it's marketing or tech or operations or agent services.
1: Sure. It's a blend of process and then talent. Um, Working backwards, I mean, I'm just fortunate enough to have talented people that know how to execute and ship that I get to work alongside. Um, And that's critical. I mean, there are so many ideas and people with projects that they want to hatch and nothing ever gets done. Um, and that's definitely the most important thing is having people who know how to bring something from start to finish um, is the most crucial thing. And then carving out that time. Um, so we carve out time to look at past performance, um, question what we could do differently, um, sort of do retrospectives on... Um, a quarter or an actual business process that we did. Um, we like to kind of put all of our managing broker feedback together and see if there's common trends that are causing problems for our people. And then just staying super plugged into um, what's happening in the rest of the industry to give us ideas, test thesis or to write something off that we don't think is going to work. So, it's carving out the time, um, but I just wouldn't under-emphasize um, how much it means to have people who just know how to bring projects to the end state. It's the most important thing.
2: Yeah, we talked a couple months ago in when, when one of our podcasts with someone, um, and one of the big focuses was execution. And it really is like, you know, anybody can come up with ideas, but how do you execute and how do you bring someone to the finish line? So. Um, that's great. So, last question here, and, and thanks again for uh, for joining us. But last question um, for you is: this podcast is sweat the details, and you know we're, we're we can tell at Weston Maine that you're focused on details, and at Nest we're focused on details. What's the one detail that you're sweating? You wake up every morning. What's that one detail that you're sweating every day?
1: Is everybody pumped about what they're doing? Because enthusiasm is contagious and can completely rub off and multiply and is an exponential force and so having people who are excited about the work in front of them that's what i sweat every day so i try to keep people pumped
0: that's fantastic uh greg that's a probably one of, one of my favorite answers that we've had so far um i really appreciate you taking the time uh early on a a Denver morning to chat with us. Um, Fantastic conversation, but I want to say thank you so much for for taking the time.
1: Thanks for reaching out to me. Um, It was fun. Great chatting with you, Greg. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Have a great day.